Um, but yeah, there was definitely that feeling of like, I should be doing this. Why am I not doing this? How come this didn't take off until I got out of the way? And, and I've been in business for myself long enough to know that like, listen, there's things I'm good at and there's things I'm not good at. And the more I try to do things I'm not good at, the more I just run into a brick wall. And it's about not only getting out of my own way, but also opening me up and like freeing me up to do the things that I excel at. What would it take to walk away from your business? What would the circumstances need to be to convince you that taking a job and heading back into the office was the right decision to make? Maybe for you, it would be an irresistible offer. Maybe it would be an unforeseen problem with the business. Maybe it would be a big family change or a move across the country. There are plenty of reasons that small business owners close up shop and head back to the job market. And there are plenty of reasons they return to do business for themselves, too. This is What Works, the show that asks real small business owners what's working for them so you can figure out what works for you. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. At the heart of any change from owner to employee and back again is an evolving mindset and fresh perspective on your identity. Megan Francis, founder of Life Listened, discovered this for herself as she made the transition from the owner of a content marketing business to the employee of a marketing communications firm to the head of her own podcast network. The lessons she learned in these transitions and the mindset shifts she made in the process apply to any small business owner. Megan and I chat about what prompted her to close up shop, how she made the decision to return to small business ownership, and how she's doing things differently now that she has a fresh perspective and mindset. Have you learned a valuable lesson from your own business transition? Have you evolved into a new mindset as a business owner because of a big change? I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on Instagram. You can tag me or DM me. I'm at Tara underscore McMullen. Now, let's find out what works for Megan Francis. Megan Francis, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so glad to be here, Tara. Cool. Well, I am looking forward to diving into uh, this topic and this transition uh, that you've gone through in both your life and your business, and imp most importantly, perhaps, uh, to the conversation that we've kind of been having a lot here on What Works is um, this transition of your mindset as well. Yeah. So you and your business have really gone through quite a journey over oh, the yeah. last few years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think we're probably going to cover most of that journey, but I, sure. I love to start in the middle of things because okay. it just kind of makes things more interesting. Um, you decided to go out and get a full-time job. I um, did. Yeah. And so can you tell us about that situation and why you made that decision to step back from your business and step into an employment for a while? Okay. Well, without getting too much into the background, um, by that point I had been self-employed for about 13 years, uh, mostly as a writer. And so my work had really kind of evolved from uh, journalism and magazine writing to blogging and then into content strategy, which I was doing really well with. Um, at the same time that my content strategy work was, I guess I'm going to say peaking and that I don't know that that's actually true, but um, I was in the middle of a divorce. So this, these two things were kind of coming together and the podcast podcasting I had been doing since 2012, but that was like a fun sideline for me. I was not really looking at that as something I had, I knew it had lots of potential, but it wasn't something I was focusing on, um, a lot of my attention on as, as a way to bring in revenue. Well, I lost two big contracts, like my two biggest contracts within three months of each other, just as my first lawyer bill was coming in, as Ooh. I recall. <laughs> and I just felt so defeated. It was like, all of these things are happening in my life. Like I'm trying to figure out 
you know, I'm, I was married for nearly 20 years. So my life is completely changing. Um, I have five kids. So like, how's this all going to work? Um, we're nailing down and hammering out all the details of who's going to have the kids, which days and how our vacation's going to work and, you know, how is money going to work and how are we going to split up this household? And I just didn't have it in, like, I am usually a hustler. Like I am a scrappy hustler and I just didn't have it in me. It was like gone. Um, at the same time, I just, kind of randomly wound up going for a walk with like one of those friends you only see probably once a year, you know, you like get together and have coffee or go for a walk, but it's not like someone you see all the time. And she, um, was executive at this uh, marketing agency and mentioned that they needed a copywriter. And I just thought, you know, I think it's time for me to just sit back and collect a paycheck for a while and work really hard, but it's a different kind of work when you're doing it for someone else and they're telling you what to do and the deadlines are all set and you don't have to worry about the health of the business and you don't have to worry about anything besides doing your job. It just sounded, what would have sounded to me a year earlier as awful because I love being self-employed and I love managing my own schedule and all those things. It just sounded really nice. Like the subsidy for the gym membership sounded really nice. Like yeah. there were just so many things. The, the loaner computer sounded really nice. Just all sounded like a breath, like a like taking a pause and and kind of just inhaling. And also um, what's about the work that I do, you know, I had kind of fallen into marketing um, and doing a lot of influencer work and things like that. I had no agency background. I had never worked in an agency. So I really thought, well, this is a chance for me to see, you know, you always, when you're not in that world, you think there's some secret sauce or some magic. Like they all know how to use a template. There's a template that I don't have. Or like <laughs> they all know how to pitch in a way that I don't know how to pitch. And I, and I always felt when I would go to a big brand or a company and try to pitch something or pitch myself, I felt like there was some language I didn't have or some knowledge I didn't have, or, or honestly, I felt like there was a tool or literally a document that I needed to have in my possession. So I could say, Oh, this is how the real agencies do it. And I felt like that would be a great learning opportunity. So for all of those reasons, um, I did take a full time job. The first one I had had in many years. So. <laughs> that all sounds um, very reasonable <laughs> and um, very relatable as yeah. well. And, you know, I often ask guests, guests about the identity crises they go through yeah. as their businesses grow, as their roles in their businesses change. But in this situation, I'm curious if you experienced an identity crisis moving away from self-employment and moving into traditional employment again. I, I absolutely did. It was in some ways, well, and what's really weird is I had also been asked to be a um, a co-host for a radio morning show. <laughs> so it's like a really, really bizarre. Yes. So like a few months before that, right when my divorce was like, I was just getting in the middle of getting separated. Um, just this random thing. I live in a small town and uh, people knew that I was a podcaster and they needed a host. And they asked me and I thought, this is so weird, but it's the kind of thing you don't say no to. So I was also doing this radio show. So in the, in the matter of like six months, I had gone from somebody who, if you asked me what I did, it was kind of complicated because my business was always evolving and I always, so I would usually default to, I'm a writer. And I would just, that's all I would say. I would say I'm a writer. And then if people really wanted to know, I'd, I'd dig into the nitty gritty. Um, and often it was a sort of almost embarrassing conversation because people would be like, wow, that's so cool. And then you'd have to kind of explain what content marketing is. And no one understood what that was. It was just this very complicated thing. And then it was like, I'm a radio morning show host, which was even weirder. So there was actually... <laughs> 
internally, I would say it was a big hit to my identity um, because I had seen myself as this hustler, this scrappy person, this like this person who will take, you know, a pile of crap and make a diamond out of it. Like that had just been like the way I had kind of seen the what I was able to do with really no background in any of the things I wound up doing, um, no education. And it just like the, the scrappiness part, I felt like I kind of had to shove aside. But I will say it was a lot easier telling people, oh, I'm a copywriter at this marketing agency. You've probably heard of it. And they'd say, yep. And that was it. Like That was the whole conversation. It really simplified things in a weird way. Um, and I think what I was looking for right then in my life was sim- like, simplicity. I really needed it. I really needed to just go inward and like, kind of close ranks around my family and make my house as stable as it could be and all those things. So I embraced it for a while. Like I would say six months. And wow. then it and then it started to it started to wear on me. <laughs> so well let's talk about that. Yeah. Because I want to get into how you've gotten back into business, but yeah. obviously we need to hear about that transition sure. too. So what what was that moment when you realized this is untenable, this can't yeah. last, I need to do something else? You know, I'm not sure if there was like one moment, but there was a few, there was several. Um, I was, so I was at the, um, I was at the agency probably on my fourth or fifth month and there was just the the dumbest little things that would annoy me, Tara. Like one thing that would always annoy me is that people would just add you to a meeting without asking. And like (laughs) in my world, that's not a thing. Like when I'm running a business, you check with somebody and say, what time works for you? And here's a link with my calendar, pick a time. I had never felt, and I would get so irritated. I would get really irritated when meetings went long for no good reason. I, I just found all these irritants kind of building up. And I was, I would find weird ways to rebel against the system. And it was just like, it was dumb stuff. Like I would go to lunch and be gone 15 minutes longer just to see if I could get away with it. Like nobody even cared. Like literally nobody was paying attention to how gone long I was gone. But I felt like I was starting to kind of poke, like poke, poke, poke. And that was, you know, so that was kind of happening. I was doing good work, but I wasn't feeling super jazzed about the work. And at the same time, the podcast. So me stepping out of the podcast. So at this time, um, the show that was really taking off was called The Mom Hour. It still is a pretty popular show. And that was part of my network, Life Listened, which had been sort of more an idea of a network than a real legitimate network. When I started it in 2012, it was like, one day I'm going to want to do a bunch of shows. So I'm just going to call it a network and have a couple shows, but really I'll do that later. And I didn't really ever do it. Well, stepping out of the mom hour allowed my business partner and my co-host at the time, we were just co-hosts and I was actually, I was employing her. Um, she, she allowed her to kind of do her magic, which is she's a great executor. And she started doing the things I had always said I was going to do, but just as kind of more of a visionary and big picture thinker, like I was often having ideas and not, I know a lot of people can identify mm. with that, like having ideas and then not doing the necessary follow through to make those ideas um, see the light of day. And me getting out of the way actually allowed the show to take off in a way I don't think it would have if I had been kind of in my current, in that state I was in where I needed to make money and there was all that franticness around it, I think I would have made bad business decisions. And me removing myself from it allowed her to make good, stable, calm decisions from an executor's point of view, which I think was really important. But so at the time that, you know, I'm starting to get annoyed with company politics, I'm starting to get annoyed with like 
why is everyone waiting until four o'clock when everyone leaves at five and suddenly everything's an emergency between four and five? There was this culture in the agency where it was like people would kind of sit on stuff and then everything would blow up like at the end of the day. And that would make me really stressed. And then things that really weren't emergencies became emergencies. The whole thing was really kind of becoming annoying. And around that time, I had actually joined um, your social network, Co-Commercial. And I just, I only posted a handful of times, but one of the things I posted was I've lost my mojo. And I just, I wrote this long screed (laughs) about how slumpy I felt and how I used to see possibilities. And I, I loved pitching and I loved reaching out to people and I loved coming up with the, you know, the idea and killing something and dragging it home. I loved that. And I had lost my ability to do that. And I got some really great responses, um, on there from people saying, some people were just like, you know, it just, it's okay. Like you need a break. It's fine. But just don't forget that that's who you are. And some people gave me some really good strategies for kind of bringing myself back. And the one thing I do remember doing on that day is I went forward in my calendar and put a date on my, like, uh, like I went several months into the future and put on my calendar for that day, like do your own thing. That's it. And then I closed my calendar and forgot about it. Um, and then that date came up <laughs> like wow. in April of 20, let's see, it was April, just last year, 20, 2018, April of 2018. The funny thing is I had been talking with my boss at the time about going part-time. Um, I, I knew that that was my gateway drug. Like that was my first, my step out. She kind of knew it too. She was like, so are you quitting? Is this like your, you know, your opening salvo and you're going to quit? And I said, I don't think so. I don't know what I'm going to do. So she and I were having these conversations about me going part-time and then while we're in the middle of these conversations, I look at my calendar and this date says, do your own thing. So it was like I had gone forward and like forecasted that that would be about the time when I'd be ready. Um, and that had been months and I forgot all about it. And then it popped up and was like in my face when I was in the middle of these conversations, which was just like really validating. And it really just told me I was on the right path. So then that happened and I went part time. I was part time for about a month and a half. And that was the gateway drug because I got some of my time back. I could go to the gym in the middle of the day if I wanted to. I didn't have to, you know, people would ask me before adding me to the calendar because they knew I was part-time and they knew maybe I wouldn't be there that day. And I realized like those were all things I needed in my life. Like I really needed to have that feeling of autonomy and um, control over my own schedule and stuff again. And um, I had this, this company I was working for was one of those where you, everyone has paid time off, but no one ever uses it. Mm-hmm. So it's like theoretical paid time off, but like people would put PTO on the calendar and then end up working on vacation. It happened all the time. So I had all this PTO saved up because I had never even gotten to that point where I'd even be able to say I was going on a trip, but I had a trip planned to go to California for a conference that I go to every single year. And I worked really hard to make sure I was caught up with everything and that there wouldn't be any, you know, weird things that like came about that I didn't do my part of. And I handed off all the work and I get on an airplane. And when I get off the airplane, my phone is blowing up because something I didn't even know that I was part of somehow there had been some project. I didn't even know that I was supposed to be doing, um, was like supposed to be in like happening right then. And they didn't have anyone else who could work on it. So I'm like on my phone in the airport, trying to like talk to this this colleague of mine and tell her what I think needs to happen with this video script. And it was just, and I was so irritated that at that moment I was like, when I come back, I'm quitting. Like I just absolutely can't do this anymore. So that was probably the biggest moment. And then the next day, um, had a huge opportunity 
financially that allowed me to actually do that. So it was like all these weird timing things kind of came together. And I wouldn't say that that was, I, I don't think that that moment would have been the one that tipped me over had it not been for all those other moments, but they all, they all kind of added up to that. Yeah. I think what I might like about that story the most is that you didn't say, well, I was working this grand plan to quit my job in six months and I right. had saved this month, every month. And yeah, or at least it doesn't sound like that. No, but I didn't. That at the same time, you were looking out for opportunities. You were paying attention to what was going on. You were yeah. paying attention to what you were feeling and how you were reacting to things. And just that level of awareness was enough that when the right things happened at the right times, you were able to take advantage of them. Yeah, because honestly, I was not in a place where I had, I, I could, had it been dependent on me saving X amount of money, it wouldn't have happened. Like that was right. not, I, that was not going to be my path at that point of my life. That could have been five years down the road if I'd been able to make it that long. But it was really, it was really a mindset shift. It was really me just saying, okay, you know, November of 2017, I am in a slump. I am not there yet. However, I need to get back to there and I will. And yeah. it, it's just not going to happen. At Christmas, maybe, but, but maybe it could happen in February, you know? So like, I think both leaning into that kind of, even stopping to, I was seeing it as a slump and instead I started to see it as a rest and just like an opportunity to take a breath. And even just like that shift, I think helped me because it took something that was very negative and made it more of a positive. Um, and it also gave it some, like a finite nature because you don't rest forever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like everyone gets up from their nap at some point. I love that. What Works is brought to you by Gusto. Now that you've had time to think about what you want from your business in 2019, it's time to take action. If hiring is on your list, you might be feeling intimidated by the paperwork, the red tape, and the legal hoops you need to jump through. I know I was two years ago when I hired my first full-time employee. Then I found Gusto. Gusto makes it easy. We use Gusto to automatically file and pay our payroll taxes, manage time off, and offer benefits. Plus, listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. So if you're ready to grow your team in 2019, now's the time to start. Try a demo and test it out at gusto.com slash whatworks. That's gusto.com slash whatworks. Whatworks is also brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses that bring people together. When I started my small business over 10 years ago, the people I brought together had to jump from platform to platform to interact, learn, and connect. We had one app for online courses, another for events, another for our content, and still another to talk together as a community. None of these apps talked to each other, of course, and most were a disaster on a phone or tablet. And on top of that, I had to pay for each one separately. Then we found Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks let us bring our website, content, courses, community, and events together all in one place. Plus, it made it easy to centralize fees and accept payments. Plus, Mighty Networks makes everything we create easy to access on mobile with our own app. Make 2019 the year you streamline the way you do business and build real relationships at the same time. Get started with Mighty Networks free of charge by visiting MightyNetworks.com. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. 
I want to actually rewind just yeah. a bit to what you said about your podcast co-host being able to actually do the things you said you were going to do yeah. all this time um, and really starting to see some growth on that on that podcast. Did you how did you feel about that? Because I will just tell you that I would feel really jealous yeah. and um, <laughs> like a huge disappointment yeah. and that there was something wrong with me. So uh -huh. I'm curious how you felt about it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I there, believe me, there was some mixed feelings because she and I had actually worked together. I, I had a, um, like a mom blog in, uh, started it in 2009 and ran it through 2015. And I hired um, Sarah Powers is her name. I hired her in 2011 no, sorry, 2012 to do some editing work for me. Like behind the scenes, I was doing a lot of um, work with sponsors, just making sure all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted and making things that I wasn't great at, you know, making sure that the calendar was, was on track and everything else. And we were together so well. And then we started this podcast together. And after a while I was like, let's just become partners. Like, why am, why am I employing you anymore? Like this very, we're both pulling a lot of weight here. Had I not been in such a, um, what's the word I'm looking at? Like a vulnerable position. I don't know that I would have done that. I think I would have thought about doing it, but I'm not sure I would have been able to get over myself enough to mm. do it, frankly. Um, but I needed, I needed, I wanted her to feel um, like she was as valued as she was. And part of that to me was saying we are partners, you know, and also I wanted her to have skin in the game and, but that, and then partnering did both of those things. Um, there was definitely, I just didn't have time to think about it. So at this point when she really, when we, we met and we said, let's do this, let's really do it. And I said, but right now I can only give you X amount of time. So like, because I was working, was doing the morning show. So I was getting up at like six, doing a radio morning show until like eight 30. And then I was going right from there to my full-time job. So I had like very little time. I would, we're on Voxer. I don't know if you're familiar with Voxer. Mm -hmm. That sound up. We would just, I would Vox her from the parking lot on my way to work. I would Vox her. Like if I could you know, walk over and get a tea, I'd be like surreptitiously boxing her in the kitchen, like stuff like that. So I wasn't stealing company time, but like I was definitely finding any way that I could to talk to her. But otherwise, like I was not able, like there was no way I felt bad and weird about it, but there was nothing I could do. And it was kind of like not having a choice and saying, I want this to be successful. I want there to be something for me to return to when I'm ready to return. I see this as a moment for podcasting and I'm not in a place right now where I can take advantage of the moment. It really just didn't feel like there was any other choice. I, I just, I had to, plus we had so much trust built up. And I think that that we talk a lot about like the secrets to, we talk about it kind of facetiously the secret to being um, effective business partners is complimenting each other but we do like we make sure that we're always telling each other how much we kick butt because then if I'm if I had a day where I just really couldn't um, I really couldn't participate on the same level but I did something small and she wrote and said thank you for taking care of that it really made a difference then it really helped and I will say I think who you partner with or who you delegate to can make a big difference in how you feel about delegating and how you feel about partnering. Um, but yeah, there was definitely that feeling of like, I should be doing this. Why am I not doing this? How come this didn't take off until I got out of the way? And I think I've just been doing, I've been myself long enough. I'm 41 now. Um, and I've been in business for myself long enough to know that like, listen, there's things I'm good at and there's things I'm not good at. And the more I try to do things I'm not good at, the more I just run into a brick wall 
And it's about not only getting out of my own way and getting out of her way, but also opening me up and like freeing me up to do the things that I excel at, which are many. So I don't know. I think it's, it's a reframing of it, but yeah, I definitely struggled at times. Gotcha. That was a very long-winded way of answering that question. <laughs> no, no, no. That was perfect. Thank okay. you for that. Yeah. So just to just to clarify, when you stepped back into the business then, yeah. you're stepping into the podcasting business, not yes. the content marketing business that you right. had previously. Exactly. I completely changed. I completely shifted. So what had happened when I was doing content marketing, uh, now I do client work every now and then, but the podcast is definitely the podcast and the network, which during the time that I was employed full-time, we brought on five new shows. Wow. So we launched five shows in like a three-month period um, when I had a full-time job and a part-time job. And that was because, because of having a partner who was able to take the reins and do those things. That was a lot of legwork and a lot of details and a lot of answering emails and a lot of scheduling things on the calendar. And a lot of things at that point, I just didn't have the free time to do. Um, however, through all the years when I was blogging and active on social media and content marketing, I had built up, um, so many contacts, so, so much experience, like that I was, it's very um, tempting to discount that stuff. I, I think one of the biggest mindset shifts for me now stepping back into my business is like, I am taking on the role of CEO now, which means I have to look at what I do every day differently than I did when it was just me doing everything. So if it was just me doing everything, I would have this weird feeling like if I wasn't cranking out copy, if I wasn't answering an email, if I wasn't producing in some way, it didn't count. And now I have other people doing a lot of that for me. I don't need to do it. So what do I need to do? Well, I need to know where the industry is going. I need to have important conversations with people who can help us grow. I need, you know, there's like things I need to be doing that aren't urgent, but they're very important. And um, I think that that was probably the biggest change for me, but I think that break allowed me to kind of break away from the old and come into this new role in a way that would have been harder, I think, if I had been trying to transition out and support myself and my family at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as someone who has watched people either attempt to make that transition or actually make that transition yeah. um, in their own businesses, you know, little bit by little bit by little bit, yeah. it tears people apart from yeah. the inside. And that's not to say that it's not worth it and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> but right. But there is there is such a mental there is such a difficult mental game going on there that I I can really believe really understand that being able to take that break having an actual break allowed yes. you to step back into the business with a whole new mindset so let's talk about that specifically what are sure. some of the things that you're doing differently today at your podcasting network than you did when you were when it one when it was just an idea and two um, before you had taken that break from the business yeah well one thing that I don't so I don't and just like a nuts and bolts kind of thing I manage very little that has to do with the money. Um, I think for me, uh, as a person who a needs money, <laughs> but B doesn't always make great decisions when I'm feeling stressed about money, mm -hmm. that is huge because it's very easy for someone who is worried about the money and keeping a really close eye on the bank account and all of the, um, and all of the accounts payable and everything else to take that client you really shouldn't take. 
or to do that job you don't feel great about, you know, to do that thing that really isn't moving the business forward. Um, now, when I say, of course, I keep an eye on it. Like, I know we do financial, we have a, uh, we have a bookkeeper and we have regular meetings. So I, it's not like I have no idea, but mm-hmm. I don't make decisions based on, can I put money in my pocket this month anymore? And that was, I mean, that the only reason I'm able to do that is because we were able to get to a place where I don't have to do that anymore. And I would never have gotten there if I had been trying to make decisions while trying to pay my bills. It's just, there's like the, the two things don't work together. So that's one thing I don't do. And every now and then I will, you know, I'll go in and take a look and where are we all, where are we at? And I'll say, I think we need to raise our rates or I think maybe we need to consider um, going after some bigger fish or whatever it is. Like those conversations, like the big picture things are still happening, Mm -hmm. but I'm not in there every day stressing over what our bank account says. And I think it almost feels counterintuitive that that helped make a shift, but it did because it it makes the decisions that we make more quality. Like it makes us make decisions for the big picture and for the health of the business, not because Christmas is coming and I could really use like whatever that client would have represented or whatever mm-hmm. that you know ad would have represented. So that's one thing that's very different. Another thing that I'm doing that I didn't do for a long time um, is that I'm I used to kind of have a hard time producing content and consuming content at the same time. Um, I would have a hard time doing something and then watching what other people are doing at the same time. And I, I'm not, not exactly sure how to, how to articulate that because I do think that you need to keep your eyes on your own paper, but you also have to glance left and right, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to keep your eyes on your own paper, but look in your periphery. <laughs> and I would find that I was really good at one or the other, but terrible at doing both. When I was in trying to do everything mode. Like when I was, um, the person who was doing the blog and the podcast and making the deals and trying to see where the industry was going, all those things, I could really only do one of those things well at a time, but I'm finding because I'm stepping back from a lot of that day to day, emailing the sponsors and managing the calendar, I can kind of go, okay, so here's the industry. Here's the landscape. Here's us. Where do we fit? And that's something I never had time to do before. I didn't have focus to do. Um, so those are two, those are two ways that I think I'm just spending my time differently. And a lot of the time, you know, I'm spending a lot of time thinking. I was just listening to this. Um, uh, I don't know if you're, you're familiar, I'm sure with Goop, with Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. and she has a podcast and she did an interview with Oprah. Um, and <laughs> it was really early in the, in the interview. And Oprah said something like, I surround myself with smart people so that I have time to think. And when she first said that, the part of my brain that's the hustler and the solopreneur was like, oh, good for you, Oprah. Like, here's a round <laughs> of applause. I'm so glad you have time to think. Now, what about the rest of us? But then I thought, but yes, she's Oprah. And she put in many decades of of grinding to get to the point where she can think. But at some point, we all have to think. Like, we all need time, especially if you're the leader. You need time to sit and go, what do we need to be doing? How does what this other person is doing um, affect us? Where do we want to be? Where are our strengths? And I think that when you're going, going, going all the time and you don't take the time to think, you kind of can't ever get out of that hamster on a wheel mentality. So it is a men- it's a mental shift that comes with some privilege. And I realize that, you know, like I, I wouldn't have been there when I was 25 and just trying to like get myself established as a writer. I didn't, all I was, I was just doing, I didn't have time to think, but you know, it's been some time now and I need to make the time to think. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I've actually done a webinar on that topic before. I probably a few of them and uh, not on that exact topic, but on an adjacent topic. And I remember very distinctly how many people in the chat asked me, wait a second, you mean just putting time on my calendar to think? <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm like, yes, yes, it's so important. Or take a walk or do yes. something yeah. and realizing that that's not an extra. It's actually it's the most important <laughs> part of your job. Right. It is. It, it counts. It's your job. Yeah. Yes. And don't feel guilty or sheepish about it just because your fingers aren't moving. And or like you're not staring at a screen doesn't mean that what you're doing doesn't count. And that's been a big mindset shift for me. Um, especially yeah. in the last year. That's huge. That's huge. Okay. So you talked about some of the differences in how you spend your time. Yeah. I'm curious how uh, the business operations yes. have changed since your mindset has shifted. And I'm assuming probably your partner's mindset has shifted in this process as well. What are the, some of the things that your team does differently or just that run differently in the business today uh, because of the way you are leading the business? Yeah. Well, one thing, I mean, I think it's important to recognize that for the first, you know, when we really decided so there was this sort of pretend network, but now we're going to make it a real thing. It's going to become a network and we're going to, we're going to actually produce shows that aren't the one that you and I are sitting down to do. We're going to produce outside shows, shows for other people. We're going to get advertisers. We're going to do all these things. For the first six months of that, I wasn't really available except as sort of like a, a sounding board, really. Like I, I would get on a call if it was really important or I'd answer an email if I absolutely had to, but I was really out of it. So when I stepped in, there there was sort of this absent uh, CEO. There was like this person who was supposedly the CEO and founder of the business, me, but I wasn't really active. I wasn't part of the culture. I wasn't keeping really up with um, our clients. Like all, I wasn't keeping up with our contractors. We had a, a couple of different administrative contractors. We had a bookkeeper and I barely spoke to those people. So that was really like the first thing it was like kind of reestablishing me as, hey, I'm here, guys. I know I went away for a little while, but I came back. And with our listeners, I, I really had to kind of go for the, you know, for the mom hour, which is our biggest show, like, hey, guys, I, I, yeah, I've been kind of absent. But look, I, I am on social media. I do things. <laughs> I'm around. And I that was probably how I spent the first two months was really just becoming a presence again. Um, and now that I've so now that I kind of have gotten back to the point where people know that I exist and that I'm there. Now it's the big conversations that are happening. We made some pretty big decisions um, about uh, four or five months ago now to kind of move away from the way we had been setting up new shows. We were kind of in this weird middling ground where we were letting people kind of use our services as, as a production company and we were doing all this coaching. We were getting them sponsor deals, but then they were but we kind of wanted them to have their own ideas about how they wanted their show to run. And what ends up happening then is you have a lot of handholding, but then you're not in control. And mm -hmm. those two things really butt heads. Like they, we just realized like these people need to like fly free. And so if we're going to do production, it needs to be our production and we need to have control of it. And if we're doing ad deals, that's a different thing. And then we don't need to do the handholding. So like we're, we've started to kind of separate those two things into two completely different business models, two different revenue streams and everything else. So like sort of our umbrella of life listened now houses two businesses under it. And I think that a lot of the things that we've had to get away from are the same things that anybody who started, who started a business in the scrappy bootstrappy way 
um, has to do. And some of that is like, we don't have to, just because we can do something doesn't mean we have to. Yes. Like my partner knows how to use audacity. She can do editing, but that is not time well spent for her. Um, Mm -hmm. because we have a fantastic sound editor who can do that. And yes, he'll charge us, but that's okay because then we could take that time and spend it doing something that generates four times that amount of revenue or for 14 times that amount of revenue. Um, so there's things like that, that we need to do. Another thing that I think that we, um, are, I'm not going to say struggling, but are, are having conversations about right now, let's just put it that way, are, do we do a show because we think it will have commercial success or because we want to? And sometimes like, it's, is it a show we want to do or is it a show we need to do? And those are things that like, I think the question, the answer can be either depending on our goals for it. But I do think that like, those are not ways we were thinking before. What we were thinking before is we want to do a show about XYZ, let's do it. And (laughs) you do it. And sometimes it takes off and sometimes it doesn't. And and now it's really looking around and saying, what does the market need? What what do listeners want? What's not being done? What's not being represented? Um, As far as like the day-to-day operations, I think that those, because I had been so out of it, I think Sarah really established those when I was sort of otherwise occupied Mm -hmm. and then i was able to kind of come in and create a brand new role of the the absentee seo who now is suddenly there and that has been awesome because it's like starting it's like the kind of thing visionary people love it's like creating something that didn't exist right and like yeah and and being the boss of it and so that's been really really fun and um, i haven't really inserted myself into a lot of those day-to-day operations that were already running well just the ones like that the things that we need to add. So we weren't really doing any outside sales because, or we weren't doing any, I'm sorry, um, outbound sales because we had so much inbound coming in. Well, at some point you need to add outbound as well. So I'm looking at doing that, like those kinds of things. We're adding more than we're changing, which is fun. It's a fun place to be. Totally. That is awesome. And honestly, I'm like ready, you know, we've got to start wrapping up this interview, but I'm like, (laughs) let's have you back on and let's unpack this business model then too, because I'm super curious about this. Um, But just kind of in the big picture of things, what are some of the things that you have up your sleeve for yourself and for Life Listened, kind of looking into 2019 now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've been paying attention to podcasting. It's kind of a thing. So, (laughs) but what's really happening is that the game is heating up. So we, we really, when we started, um, when we decided to really go full force with the network, what we realized is that one of the things we were able to do, because we had this huge influx of, of advertisers who frankly wanted shows to advertise on, and we knew podcasters, and some of them were shows we were producing, and some of them were just people that we knew. So we kind of got into the ad, almost like the ad agency game without meaning to. We fell into it, and we found that that is this could be could be scalable. And so we started kind of playing with how do we scale. Um, now suddenly everybody is getting in on advertising, including a lot of tech platforms. Um, And we don't really want to try to compete with that. Like, I don't want to try to compete with Megaphone, which is Panoply's, you know, new platform Mm. for an Acast and Anchor. And like, I have no interest in trying to beat them at their own. I don't have any interest in doing it anyway. And I think it would be kind of the wrong place for us to put our, to put our eggs. But what are we, what do we do that other people don't. What different differentiates us? And one of the things is we're content creators. Really at heart, we're both content people. Um, and as we've seen all these tech companies and even some content companies jumping on board the ad space, we haven't seen a ton of content 
creators like flooding in to fill that space. I don't see the same motion or movement toward launching new studios or even the content side of advertising because good ads, a good podcast ad requires good copy. It requires a solid strategy. And sometimes we get, you know, these huge agencies that have like three agencies under them. I'm sure you've dealt with those where it's like, you've got the main, you've got the brand who's working with this agency and then they're farming out the podcast ads to like this other agency. And by the time you get it, it's this weird watered down version of talking points and the, you know, the promo codes are weird. Like just all these little details that someone's not always looking at. And we are great at looking at those things. So we're going boutique and we're thinking like, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for us to act not as just not as just a broker, but as a, as really a, a creative agency um, in podcasting, which I don't think is being done the same way as we want to do it. So that's kind of the direction we're moving in. And at the same time, we want to produce shows that, that excite us. Um, and so the, the production arm will always exist and we're always going to be putting out new content. Um, but this in 2019, you're going to see us really kind of move into this idea that if you're a business or an individual, or if you're an advertiser and you need help, putting together that content side, whether it's your, the main part of your show or um, the ads that other podcasters are running, we're going to help you make sure those are solid. So that's, that's kind of what's on deck for us in 2019. It's very exciting because every, it's all just, everything's changing so fast that we're just like, oh, how do we keep up? But it's a, it's kind of a fun place to be. Yeah, I am really excited about the podcast market right now, yeah. and I'm really excited to watch uh, Life Listens transition or or transformation yeah. in that space and everything that you guys have coming up. I'm really, really excited about Me it. Too. Well, Megan Francis, thank you so much for this conversation and kind of giving us um, a look behind the scenes of how your mindset has shifted and how that's really reaped incredible results for your business. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been great, Tara. Learn more about Megan Francis and her podcast network, Life Listened, at lifelistened.com and find The Mom Hour wherever you listen to What Works. This episode was produced by me, Tara McMullen, and edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 170 episodes that ask what works at whatworkspodcast.com. <laughs>